Welcome to the e-commerce badassery podcast, the place for scrappy female entrepreneurs who want to learn actionable steps and strategies to grow the traffic, sales, and profit in your e-commerce business. I'm your host, Jessica Totillo Coster, a 20-year retail veteran who spent three years as the only employee of a seven-figure online store. That shit was crazy. I know exactly how it feels to do all the things, and I'm sharing everything I learned the hard way so you don't have to. I may have started this business by accident, but supporting badass bosses like you lights me the fuck up, and I am so stoked to see you grow. Are you ready, babe? Let's roll. Welcome back to the e-commerce badassery podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Chatillo Coster. Things have been a little weird in the e-commerce space recently, and I got together with my friend Katie Hunt of Proof to Product to talk all about it. We dive into what we're seeing across all the product businesses that we work with and what we expect marketing for e-commerce to look like in 2024. Katie has been on the podcast before talking all about getting your product on store shelves and how to start wholesale. It's episode 51 if you want to take a listen. She also has an audio training called Is Wholesale Right For You, which you can get your hands on for free at prooftoproduct.com forward slash private pod. I'll put links in the show notes for you as well. This is a re-air of the episode that went live on Katie's podcast, so it may sound familiar, but even if you did already listen to it over there, I recommend you listen to it again anyway because you just don't know what you might hear the second time around. All right, let's get into it. Hey, Jessica, welcome back to Proof to Product. Hey, Katie, I'm super excited to be here. I'm thrilled too. Last time you were here, it was a couple of years ago and so much has changed since then. So just as a recap for our listeners who are newer to our show, I strongly encourage you to go listen to episode 195 of Proof to Product, where Jessica and I talk about marketing strategies, specifically around email marketing. And it was a good one. It's still one of our top listened to episodes. So thank you for, again, contributing that content for our community. Oh, I can talk email all day, every day. And I imagine we're going to talk a little bit about it today, too. <laughs> a lot about it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica, you and I support such a large number of product brands that sell a wide range of product types. And our people are located all across the globe, which really gives you and I a unique perspective on what's happening in the industry, in the product world. And I know, at least for me, I'm able to spot issues before they become widespread by just actively listening to some of our clients and engaging with them and hearing what they're working on. And I'm sure you feel the same way too in your community. Do you agree? Oh, 100%. I do work with clients in a lot of group spaces, but they're not necessarily sharing everything in the group, right? right? They're coming to me individually and I'm hearing a lot of the same things across the board in every industry at every business level. And it just kind of reminds me that we are all fighting the same battles. We're just not necessarily talking about it. So I love that we're having this conversation today. I do too, because there's a lot of conversations that happen behind closed doors, right? Right. And even in a group program, you run a group program, I run a group program. I also run a smaller, higher level group program. And that's where we have a lot more of these one-on-one conversations or these sheesh, my sales are like struggling right now, or like, how do I get a quick cash influx? You know, so it's those quieter conversations behind the scenes that really do 
paint a picture of what the industry is looking like. So can you share some of the things you're hearing from your community members? How has the last few months looked for them? Yeah, there's two things that stick out that I've been hearing from everyone. Sales are down and organic reach on social is trash, basically. Same. Same. Oh my gosh, same. Yes. And what kind of things are you telling them to do in that respect? Are you giving tailored advice to each of them or is it more broad strokes that you're kind of advising folks around the Yeah, it depends a little bit, you know, if they're one-on-one clients or what. But generally, I tell them, focus on the things you can control. And maybe that means like spending less time on organic social. Like I am all about, you have to prove that you have product market fit and all of that. But organic social is not free. It Mm -hmm. is time. It is brain space. It is energy. It is being just tapped creatively I mean, if you know who I am, or if you go and look at my Instagram right now, I haven't posted there in months. And you know what? It feels great. It feels great. Yeah. And so what I am telling some of them is you have proven product market fit. You have amazing conversion rate. You have great repeat customers. You need more new ones. So why don't, instead of spending all of your time on organic social, just put some money behind it. It doesn't have to be a lot. And I know that ads are scary and we all want to grow our business without ads, but we're going into 2024. It's just the way it is. And the biggest people that you look up to, they're all running ads, guys. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It depends on your business. For some people, it's going to be like, maybe it's time to go get on that other sales channel that you didn't want to get on. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's time to go do wholesale. And you've been putting it off. That answer is going to be different for everyone. But I think it's just time to do something new. Yeah. One of the things I keep advising folks on is let's stop, audit our business, see what's Mm -hmm. really working and what's not. Because I'm hearing the same thing. Sales are slow. Organic reach for marketing is not bringing in a whole bunch of new leads. They're not getting new eyes on their products. So one of the things I'm talking about is let's take a quick audit because sometimes our head tells us things and the data is going to tell us something completely different. And so let's look at that first. And then secondly, let's do more of what's already working. And when I've helped folks with these audits, we've discovered a lot of the success they're seeing is with their email marketing. Marketing. Oh, yes. That's where (laughs) they're seeing the highest return. They're seeing the highest engagement. They're having those stronger connections with their customers. And so to your point, a lot of them have switched their focus away from social media and feeling like they need to make videos and content and graphics and To your point, that's a lot of time and energy and creative Mm -hmm. juice that we're putting towards that when we could be writing a thoughtful, creative, highly touching email that goes out to folks or applying that creative juice to like products that we're going to sell that will bring in money. And so I agree with you. I think we all need to be leaning in more to the things that are already working because that will be easier for us. But then experimenting in strategic, easy ways too about what we might be able to layer in new. So thank you for sharing that one. Yeah, of course. So you mentioned that sales are low, social is not working so much. Are there any other marketing strategies that are working really well 
for your clients? You kind of talked a lot about the things that are not working so well. What is working really well? Yeah. I mean, it's email marketing. Hands down, it's always email marketing. And it's so funny because it's really how I started this business was realizing that these e-commerce business owners did not understand the value of email. And it's, you know, we all take our own knowledge for granted. And I was like, nobody's going to pay me to teach them this. This is not a business. I was very wrong, Katie. I was very wrong. But it's so funny because I don't know if it's just like some mental block or what, but I have conversations with students, listeners, whoever, who have been around since day one, and they still will hesitate to send an email. And then they finally do it and they message me and they're like, oh, you sent an email and I made sales. And I was like, huh, funny how that works, right? So most of the time, 99% of the time, more email equals more revenue. I agree. And guys, by the way, Not like I don't struggle to send email in my own business, right? (laughs) Because we can never do for ourselves what we can do for others. But I've seen it over and over again. And I know we're afraid to be annoying or that, oh, people are going to unsubscribe. And I've been telling this story a lot. So back in my previous day job, I basically learned email in that job. And in that company, it was very small. So I was very visible. Like there weren't a lot of us. So everybody was watching what I was doing all the time. And at one point they brought in this outside email person. Luckily, she basically said all the things I was saying, but they believed it coming from her more than me. (laughs) Corporate life. I know. I know. Well, (laughs) but one of the things she said that stuck with me for the longest time was every email you send is an opportunity for them to unsubscribe. It was like seared in my brain and it scared me. It's kind of like all the things our parents say to us when we're kids and they screw us up as adults. Like (laughs) it was that heavy. Yeah. And then at one point in this journey of having this business and working with so many people, I was like, you know what? If we are sending helpful, relatable, good content, It is a freaking privilege to be on my email list. And if you want to go, don't let the door hit you in the butt on the way out. And that mindset shift just like takes away so much of the pressure. It does. It takes away those feelings of shame and Mm -hmm. concern. You mentioned earlier, like people don't want to sound salesy. They don't want to feel like they're bothering people. I hear these same things over and over and over again. And especially when I'm working with my higher level clients and we're talking about all the different email sequences that they can set up to nurture and love on and appreciate and support and sell to their clients, right? But there's resistance there. And you talk about this mindset shift with unsubscribing. And I love that story because it's true. I think what the problem is, I was going to say two things. One, we don't want to force anyone to stay on our list. We can't force them, right? They can go whenever they want. But two, we work so darn hard to get those people onto our email list. I think that's where a lot of the mindset stuff comes up of like, I did this work, got them on, and now I'm doing something wrong because they want to leave. Leave. And really, oftentimes it has nothing to do with us. Like Mm -mm. you said, if we're providing valuable content that's helpful and engaging, they want to stay. It's a privilege to be on our email list. I loved how you phrased that, a privilege to be on my list. And I had an experience, and it's a little bit different because I don't sell physical products, but 
I had someone email me and ask me, how do I get back on your email list? I unsubscribed a few months ago because I was going through chemo. Like it is so not about us. Yes. We just take everything way too personally. And I get it. It's your business. It's your blood, sweat, tears. Was it Elizabeth Gilbert? I think it was. Whatever her like second book was, she was doing an interview with someone and she had the physical book there and she was talking about, I think someone else, I'm butchering the story because it was so <laughs> long ago, but this little piece stuck with me is how people will refer to their work or their business as their baby. She's like, this is not my baby. This is not my baby. And if I put that kind of pressure on the result of this book, I'm going to go insane. And she like physically threw the book on the floor. Wow. That's powerful. It was. And it was like, yeah, you know what? This isn't my baby. No, no. We treat it like it is. We do when we need to flip the script and be like, this business is fueling the life I want to live, the travel I want, the family or the extracurriculars I want, the, I don't know, the experiences that I want. Like the business is a vehicle to live the life we want to live. Yes. And spend more time with your actual human babies if you have them. (laughs) Right. Right. Or friends, family, whatever it might be. Yes. I agree with you. Okay. So email marketing is working. Let's dive into this a little bit more. I mean, I mentioned there's a whole lot of sequences that we can build out to create a great customer experience. We can have our welcome sequences, our nurture emails. We can have abandoned cart. We can have follow-up things. Is there anything in particular that is working very well for your customers and your clients right now that you think everyone should be doing if they're not already doing it? Yeah, it ties into email, but it's not just email specific, but it's bring them in with the best and then sell them the rest is how I frame it for people. I come from the fashion and apparel space. So I am used to super wide product assortments and we're talking tops and bottoms and denim and shoes and jewelry and everything. But we can't sell all of that at the same time. Yeah. It's way too stressful for us. It makes creating content and sharing content too complicated. Your customers get overwhelmed. So I just want people to lean into the thing that already sells well, the thing that sells itself. And then you can use technology (laughs) to sell them the rest when they're already on your website. And it's funny. So one of my membership members, she has graphic tees. It was like a little boutique graphic tees. And she also sold jeans and handbags and leading people for the 20 years I worked in retail. I have learned that everyone picks up things differently, right? So the way I talk to one student is not going to be the same as I talk to another. And I just kind of knew she needed to come to this realization on her own. So I just slowly, month after month, over time, planting the seed, like your graphic tease is what makes you all of your money. Get rid of all that other stuff and just focus on the tease. I think it was about a month ago, she messaged me. She's like, I think I got your message. I think (laughs) I get it. And I'm going all in. And it simplified everything. And so that's really what I want for all e-commerce business owners. And I'm sure you talk about from a wholesale perspective, don't go and show them literally every product you have. Right. Yeah. Let's show them the best, the best, show them the best. And so I think we can do that in all aspects of our business and 
it trickles in and down and over to everything else we do. And so one of the ways that you could actually do this in email, and I've had a couple of students do this. So you have a welcome series. They're going to come in. Maybe you're giving them a discount. And that first email is just, here's a discount. Go buy stuff. Go back to my website and make the purchase. And then you kind of introduce them to the brand and all that. But what happens after that point if they haven't bought? And I think we kind of forget that next step. They just kind of get dumped into our weekly emails. So one of the things that I've been recommending is what is your bestseller or your like top three products? Create a whole other series that just sells those. And really it's stealing from the informational online educational space, right? Because that's what we do if we get around to setting up our emails. (laughs) (laughs) But it works in product too. So I think if you take nothing away from whatever rabbit holes Katie and I go down today, (laughs) it's that one for sure. So I want to elaborate on that a little bit more for our listeners. I've been working with some clients on this same strategy where we pick their best-selling product that also has the highest profit margins for them and also has the draw. So it catches people's eye and it's an easy yes for people. And what we've done is most people will maybe send one email about that product. And what we're doing and what we're building out and testing, still an experiment, is that we're sending out three or four emails about that product, that one product. And because, as we know, consumers need repetition. They need to see things several times before they will actually purchase. And so we'll create a series of, say, four emails that maybe get sent out over the course of 15 days or a week and a half or so. And again, it's that repetition. And frankly, the emails can be very similar to one another. They can have similar copy. We're giving them similar calls to actions and directives. We're changing the subject lines so that we keep things fresh. But ultimately, the body of those emails looks pretty similar to one another if you put them side by side. And so, again, we're not just trying to clog anyone's inbox. That's not our goal here. We want to add value. We want to create meaningful touch points. But to what you're saying, Jessica, like the repetition, the highlighting some of these bestsellers, leaning into what we know is going to attract that customer in. So pulling them in with the best. And I love what you said, selling them the rest. <laughs> and so that's a strategy that we've been testing and it's been working very well. I, like you said, I've been using that strategy in my business and the yeah. online information course world for a while. Yeah. But taking these things and adapting them is a great strategy. Thank you for bringing that up because I think it's a great thing that folks should listen and try. Yeah. And it's, you know, sometimes it's so hard, especially if you are the maker. I mean, if you're buying and reselling other people's stuff now, granted, when I had my brick and mortar boutique, I got emotionally attached to a lot of things in my store. (laughs) So I get it. But I think it's tenfold if you're the one that created it. Yeah. But again, it's not your baby. Just like do what the data tells you to do. I love and geek out on data. And it's always really surprising to people what the numbers say. They're like, oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't even realize the difference between product number one and I guess bestseller number one and number two is huge. Yeah, And it's like, wow, I haven't been giving this number one enough attention. Yeah. Yeah. I tell the story sometimes when we run paper camp, our wholesale program, where 
every year I would go into my trade shows or every new release that I did. And I'd be like, oh, this skew, this one's going to be my winner. This is like, I know people are going to love this. And I was wrong probably 90% of the time <laughs> because I was personally attached to them. Attached to it. It's yeah. what you're talking about, that creativity and the, oh, I built this and it's my baby. And in yeah. reality, the things that people were drawn to were completely different for different reasons. And so those yeah. data points become critical in that. Yeah. And it's funny when I had my brick and mortar. So, you know, if you guys do ever buy and resell other people's products, especially if you are buying at the show, they are manufacturing to order. And if a particular style doesn't get enough orders, they drop it and it doesn't get released. Well, I ordered a lot of things that ended up getting dropped. And I'm like, (laughs) so I'm obviously in my own little, what is that? The beat of my own drum over here. (laughs) When like the rest of the world is like, yeah, we weren't that into that thing. So obviously it takes practice to just remove your own stuff from it. Yeah. Well, it goes back to that mindset piece. I was talking, and I'm going to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole on this one. I was talking to someone the other day, and for the people that are just getting started in business, they're motivated and excited by the newness of everything that creating a business includes. And then we get to that messy middle stage. And that's where we start to feel the overwhelm and the pain points of managing so many things on our own. For the most part, not everybody's alone, but a lot of the folks I work with are alone. And then that's where the mindset stuff, the negative mindset stuff starts to kick in. And it does throttle our growth. It makes it harder for us to move forward into that more scalable mode. And you've described a couple of different ways in our marketing that we're letting mindset gunk slow us down. I'm seeing it in the product development phase. I'm seeing it in marketing. I'm seeing it in the way people are talking about their products and selling them. Are you seeing similar types of problems or concerns in your community? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll tell you a little story. Most of mine come more in like the marketing, getting their business out there side, because I don't have as many makers or a lot of my makers actually work with you or if they do wholesale (laughs) and stuff. Yeah. So we share a lot of students, but there's one of my students, she started her business in the pandemic right at the beginning. And she has been thinking about getting on Amazon and she's been hesitant to do it. And I get it. Like I have a love-hate relationship with Amazon. I admittedly am an Amazon Prime member. Gosh, I just can't give up that two-day shipping. I don't know what it is. I actively shop with small businesses too. And I look for that little small business badge they put on Amazon. Uh Yep. (laughs) But part of me feels like they're a necessary evil. But I understand why people don't want to sell on them. But at the same time, this is a business. You need it to make you money so that you can go enjoy your life, your family, and the money that you make, you get to do really great things with, like go support another small business, right? Because the biggest consumers of small businesses are other small businesses. So the conversation I had with her was just play the game. It is a tool for you to grow to do all the great things you want to do, to go support all the other people you want to support. That's all it is. 
Just like, you know, I know I'm not really great at the mindset stuff because I'm like, just put on your big girl panties and get over it. I probably need mindset (laughs) work. (laughs) I've done my own so I can share some of what I've learned, but I am not the coach for that. I agree. (laughs) Yeah, I'm definitely not her by any means. But sometimes like we just have to do the thing that's going to get us the result that we need. And we get in our own way. And what she said was she was afraid her other small business friends were going to see her as a sellout. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Which I get, I understand that that is a real fear, but at the end of the day, like it is just a tool, just like money, you know, all the money mindset coaches, it's not good or bad. It's It's just a tool. (laughs) Yes. And so I think you can think of those big marketplace is the same way. It's just a tool. And if there are people there looking for what you sell, this is the other thing I'll tell people who are afraid to talk about their product too much. I'm like, somebody's sitting there looking for the thing that you sell. And if you're not telling them, like you're just being selfish, you're hiding your wonderful product and they can't find it. You know, so just get out there and tell people you exist. Yeah. So she's doing it. I'm really excited to see how I want to hear the results. But, you know, it was a long journey for her to make that decision. Well, you know, to your point about it's just a platform, it's just a tool. That's exactly how I speak about tools like FAIR, which is a wholesale platform for anyone not familiar. And I always tell people, leverage these tools in our business, FAIR, our email service providers, our ship stations of the world, whatever other tools we're using, leverage them for the benefits they provide for your business. And if they no longer serve you, if they no longer are providing a benefit to you, then you don't have to use them. You can make a transition off of a platform or use a different tech tool or whatever it might be. But you bring up a really interesting point about the perception and how her decision was not so much of a business decision. It sounds like she was held up more by the public perception, the personal relationships, and even her own probably values that were kind of conflicted in that moment which is all legit. That's like, we all kind of go through that as business owners, but also how can we kind of separate the two? It's necessary as we continue to grow. Yeah, absolutely. We are getting closer to 2024. I confided in you before we started recording this, that I have not started my 2024 planning (laughs) yet. I have had too much going on, but I have been working with a lot of my clients on their 2024 plans. And so I would love to hear from you kind of what marketing strategies do you think people should be focusing on as we head into the new year? Great question. So even though things are a little crazy and we were talking about even before we started recording, like we're going into an election year. And so things always get wonky with consumer behavior around that time. I think that those basic things, those standard business foundations that always work will continue to work. And that is growing your email list. However, that is, there are some people who are killing it on organic social, where the founders have basically become the content creator of their business. Amazing. Keep doing that. Get people onto your email list and then doing product or collection launches to create excitement and bring people back. They just work and they have worked for, I don't know, decades and it's going to continue to work. My previous day job, we had a lot of brick and mortar. So It was a lot of individual local marketing that we did. But guess what? Billboard and radio, it worked. And we could see the difference when we took the billboard down. So even though it cost five grand a month to have a billboard in LA, it was worth it. 
So I think we get distracted by all of the shiny objects and we forget to just stick to those tried and true things. And when in doubt, go back to your foundations. I could not agree with you more on this. I keep telling people we need to get back to basics. We need Mm -hmm. to focus on what works. We need to not get distracted. I'm seeing a lot of folks that are distracted by not only marketing strategies and sales tactics, but also the types of products that they want to create. So Mm -hmm. they're not wanting to do the work they need to do to sell their product. They want to hunker down and just create more, or they want to have that creative outlet to build. And while we certainly need that and we want that in our businesses, the mechanism in which the business continues is through that sales. It's through the revenue coming in the door. And so, you know, it has to be a fine balance, especially for those working on their own or with a small team. So I encourage folks to do the same, to get back to basics, really look at your data points, see what's working, do more of that. On the product side of things, I'm also telling people go deeper in the Mm -hmm. product categories that are already working rather than wider. Because again, like people want to experiment with new products. And I think that presents additional risks that we don't necessarily need to take right now. Let's put our cash flow and our energy and effort into the things that are already selling and do more of that. Yeah, 100%. And that's just like straight up economics, right? And it's the same thing with ads. Like if they are profitable, keep putting money into them because they will continue to be profitable. Yes, at some point you will hit that peak where it just, you kind of plateau and the law of diminishing returns and all that kind of stuff. But just like with email, send more emails, you're going to make more money. Put more money into ads, you're going to make more money. Go deeper with your products, you will probably make more money. And as someone who, I call myself a creative, I have a creative brain, but like every test I've ever taken, I'm literally 50-50 creative analytical. I think that's why retail product, e-com, why it's just been my thing since I'm like 16 years old, because it is the balance of both. Yes. I can't do either one for too long. I get bored. I really (laughs) love to start things, but I don't necessarily love to finish or see them through. And so for me, because I go through this too, I'm like, oh, I could create this and then I could create this. I have a lot of three quarter or even finished created things that nobody can buy from me because I haven't finished setting them up yeah. to actually sell them. So I understand the product maker who wants to keep doing more. What I would say is do the thing that you know makes you money and then do that other thing as a hobby in your free time. Yes. Let's not bring the hobbies into the business. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, and and I don't say that disrespectfully. I just mean let's use our time wisely that we have in the business. And then let's go enjoy our life outside of that and do the things that fuel us elsewhere. You know, hundred percent. Jessica, I would love for you to share how can our listeners work with you after listening to this episode? You are such a wealth of information and you've worked all sides of the product space and there's a lot of value that you have to contribute. So how can folks work with you? Thank you so much. You can find me in all the places as e-commerce badassery. I do some one-on-one work, very limited, but I also have a membership that's strictly marketing. Like it's all marketing. Here's how you get out in front of people, how you sell more stuff. 
how you get more confident to sell more stuff and how to read your data so that you can do exactly what we've been talking about. Just double down on what works and leave the rest. And that's called The Lounge. You can find all those details on my website. Fantastic. We'll include that link in the show notes. I know you said you're not on social actively, but which platforms, (laughs) if they want to go follow you for when you do pop on, where should they look? Yeah, that would definitely be Instagram. Yeah. If I'm going to show up anywhere, that's where I'm going to be. Fair enough. Jessica, (laughs) I really appreciate your time. This was a great conversation. I love chatting with other people that also serve product-based business owners Mm -hmm. because I think, as we've talked about, there's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of similar wins, but also similar challenges that our folks are facing. And so it just resonates that we're not in this alone, you and I, or our audience of listeners. We're all in this together. And the more we can share with one another, the more we can leverage each other's experiences and expertise and the frameworks that have been built before us, like the more we will all succeed. So just thank you again for your time today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. Oh, so good, wasn't it? I hope you got as much out of this episode as we did recording it. It's honestly so damn refreshing to be reminded that business can be simple, that the data is there to support us and we don't have to do anything just because someone else is doing it. Again, check out Katie's podcast, Proof to Product, and her private audio feed all about whether or not wholesale is right for you. Head to prooftoproduct.com forward slash private pod to get access. And that's a wrap. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today, and I'll see you on the flip side, friend. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you're looking to surround yourself with more product entrepreneurs who totally get your life right now, get your booty on over to the e-commerce badassery Facebook group. Can't wait to see you there. Until next time, e-commerce friends, stay badass.